What the fuck is up, world? Biali, Atlantic back. We back in this bitch. Another podcast. Another grito for that ass. Been about eh, two weeks or so since the last podcast. And rather than continue to apologize for the time and delay, I actually got some new shit on deck that I'm going to share with you all here shortly. But before I do that, let's get the quick formalities out of the way. If you haven't already, follow your boy, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram and something along the same lines on all the other social medias. Okay. Now, with that said, I'm going to just jump into this bitch because I got a lot to talk about today and I want to get through this introductory part as quickly as possible. Um, I've been doing a lot of soul searching, if you will, and I've come to the realization that it's about time to start a new podcast <laughs> of sorts. It's not really going to be a podcast, okay? Don't get me twisted. I'm going to still be doing this one. I'm forever going to be doing a grito from this day till my last, like I said before, okay? But um, I've been thinking a lot, and I just don't feel as though the grito podcast fully encompasses everything that I'm interested in. It com- encompasses a lot of what I'm interested in, you know? But um, there's so much other more shit that I'm still interested in deeply. And part of the reason that I get such a, that I have, I should say, such a difficult time in dropping new podcasts is because, you know, it actually does. It really does. I'm not trying to sound grandiose or nothing, but it does take a lot of work putting these bitches together. And um, part of that work entails trying to separate my thoughts, trying to differentiate my thoughts and put them into unique or rather at least concise fucking um, segments, if you will. Right. And part of that difficulty is because of, again, all the interests that I, you know, tend to have. Um, again, I'm not trying to sound grandiose or fucking holier or better than now. I'm just saying like, yeah, dog, I am interested in a lot of shit. I'm sure you are too, right? And if we're being completely honest, I'm sure if hood, this uh, grito shit and my hood philosophy shit is just a pit stop on, you know, your own personal way to, you know, go in and checking out all the other type of shit that you're interested in, which I, don't get me twisted. I appreciate the fuck out of, right? But it's understandable that humans are interested very greatly, okay? Um, so for me, one of the difficulties is in trying to flesh out the interest that I have and, you know, uh, 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 and focus entirely into a synthesized uh, podcast that makes direct sense to the topic at hand. OK, so, for instance, I'll be sitting down and write this podcast for today and I want to talk about aliens. I want to talk about sports. I want to talk about fucking crypto. I want to talk about philosophy. I want to talk about all kinds of shit. You know what I'm saying? And somewhere in between all that is the actual idea that I had wanting to talk about when I sat down to write this bitch in the first place. So this new podcast, if you will, that I'm going to be dropping, it's going to be called Run It Back. For those of you who've uh, been listening to my shit for a while, been following along on the gram at least for a while, you'll know that Run It Back was something that I did about two years ago, right? I started doing it briefly and it initially started as like a weekly thing where I was just reviewing the news of the week and giving my own personal take. But then I started realizing that the way I was doing it was basically like a fucking podcast format. So I stopped doing it entirely. It was intended initially to be a standalone thing. Okay. But I thought at the time I wasn't fully developed enough as a podcaster, as a philosopher to be able to make the distinction between the two. But now I feel as though I am, okay? And in an effort then to be able to further unclutter my mind and also hopefully provide you with some content that you might be interested in, I am going to start a new podcast. And again, it's going to be called The Run It Back. I'll still be doing like the grito shit. Like I said, don't get me twisted, right? But basically what this Run It Back shit is going to be is to quote the great Jay-Z, it's going to be the news with just a twist, his ghetto point of view, okay? So that's basically what I'm going to be doing, okay? Um... And the reason is, I mean, there's a variety of reasons, okay? The first of which I just named, okay? The second of which being, I just, you know, the news is something I'm always interested in, dog. I'm always talking about, even though I don't consider myself part of the American political uh, spectrum, I do like talking about it because it obviously affects me. And for whatever reason, I've always been attracted to politics, okay? Um, And for another, you know, reason, because of that, I get people that ask ask me. They ask me occasionally. No, they ask me, dog, Okay. Um, where do I get my news from? All right. Or, you know, what are some reputable sources that I personally trust? Because, you know, I'm always bashing the mainstream media and shit. (laughs) And, uh, generally I find that the answer that I give to people isn't one that they, they like for whatever reason. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I don't blame you for not liking it. It just, it is what it is. I get most of my news from fucking citizen journalists, dog. And from sites that most people would not find fucking reputable, if you will. Not that they're not reputable, but they're just not the mainstream media. And because of that, I know sometimes when I talk about this shit, people kind of get a little bit suspect. And I don't blame you, okay? Um, because, you know, I you know, I understand full well. I used to get all my news from the mainstream media as well. And so I started becoming a little bit more versed in the, in, the, uh, in the ways in which they've historically deceived us, in which I made the decision to unplug myself from that machine, right? So um, I figured to myself then... Obviously, if these motherfuckers are asking me, it's because they trust me to an extent and they trust that I would send them in, in, in the right direction. So I figured then if they're not liking the direction I'm sending them to, well, then why not just fucking 
why not just be the fucking intermediary between the two? You know what I'm saying? And just do the shit on my own, right? So that's, you know, another reason why I figured I was like, you know what, fuck it. Like, I like talking about this shit. People are always asking me to fucking where I'm getting my news from and where I'm getting my sources from. Why not just fucking come in and, you know, just be the intermediary, if you will. And at the same time, provide content that I personally am, you know, that I love to share as well. Okay. So again, this is the whole one of the two of the main reasons that I should say for this desire to bring back this run it back fucking a podcast. It's actually, you know, I say it's a podcast, but it's not going to be podcast length, bro. It's only it's going to be everyday shit. And, you know, the reason I call it Run It Back is because all I'm going to be doing is talking about the news and shit that happened the day before, but the next day, right? Like the morning after. <laughs> okay? Um, hence the Run It Back shit, right? Uh, I could have called it Plan B if I really wanted to be na- down and nasty with it, but I'm just going to be talking about fucking news type shit. You know what I'm saying? Again, things that I'm interested in, the stock market, cryptos, news, sports, whatever, okay? Um, <laughs> and, of course, there's going to be some of the shit that you've come to know and love from El Grito, like maybe some conspiracy, some philosophy. But, again, honestly, that's just a part of who I am, dog, and I'm looking forward to taking it up a notch with this fucking um, new podcast. But, again, not necessarily a podcast, about 10, 15 minutes every day, Throwing this bitch up on YouTube. I'll throw it up on iTunes as well, I'm sure, right? But the gist is, you know, just trying to talk current shit. Just current shit, right? That I hope will uh, free up my mind of much of the shit that I find clutters it that keeps me from being able to pump out these fucking Grito podcasts as quickly as possible, right? So current news, politics, sports, advancements in science, technology, how I see them playing out, the stock market, astrology, shit, even some pop show, some even some pop culture shit, dog. Fuck it. I don't give a fuck, right? Um, it's going to be mad short again, 10 to 15 minutes tops. And you know, I even, just, I even thought it'd be pretty cool to go live on the ground while I'm doing it. So off the off chance that maybe you want to jump in and like, you're like, yo, let me get your thoughts on this. And then I'll respond. And then I'll be like, let me get your thoughts on this. And then we'll have like a little quick dialogue or whatever. I don't know. I'm just figuring it out. Okay. But ultimately it's just nothing more than another creative outlet so that I can, again, get these thoughts out of my head and hopefully clear up some of the noise that I filter through in the process of pumping out these bitches, right? These are grito podcasts. So Quick formality out of the way. I'm going to start doing so this coming up Monday. Today is June, uh, I think it's Wednesday, June 9th. So let's see, Thursday the 10th, Friday the 11th, uh, Saturday the 12th, Sunday the 13th. So I'm hoping June 14th will be my first fucking official, if you will, running back podcast that I look forward to bringing to you. Okay. So with that said, shifting gears just slightly. Uh, I wanted to continue following up with the first installment on our series of uh, creating Aztlan. And I wanted to take a quick detour of sorts, okay, this time around, and discuss something that isn't explicitly written in the textbook that I'm sourcing the material from, but absolutely present in terms of spirit, if you will, right? Now, before I get into that, though, I wanted to talk more about my reasoning for why I wanted to take this little quick detour. And uh, I guess I should say that there's two impetuses for this. And the first of which was Memorial Day. Memorial Day, which just passed last week. Now, for those of you that follow me on the gram, for those of you that don't, what the fuck are you waiting for, dog? Let's go smash that fucking follow button and let's get this fucking dialogue going, right? Um, for those of you that do follow on the gram, you'll know that I posted perhaps a somewhat controversial post on Memorial Day, right? Dedicated to our fallen ancestors who died at the hands of the colonizers of the American imperial forces, okay? Now, um, I guess for the historically ignorant, which is the nicest way to put this, I'm sure that that post rang as nothing more than a tone-deaf, edgy way of me getting attention on a day that is allegedly one of mourning and respect, okay? But honestly, bro, this couldn't be any further from the truth because it was anything but that, right? You see, the thing that's, what's funny about Memorial Day, especially like indigenous culture, it's two things at least, at least two things. I'm sure there's more that others have found, but I have found two things that are fucking hilarious about Memorial Day, okay? And for one, in general, for like the, the general indigenous community, It continues this atrocious, just fucking disgusting tradition of forcing indigenous peoples to pay homage and respect to the very colonizing imperial fucking swine that murdered our ancestors in order for them to form this country. Like, we don't forget, dog. You might have fucking forgotten, but we haven't forgotten the 100 million people that died at the hands of American soldiers in the United States of America alone uh, to make this country what is now considered the United States of America, let alone uh, North in Canada and South and fucking Mexico and beyond. Like, we don't forget. We haven't forgotten that shit, okay? So when you're trying to get us to fucking celebrate Memorial Day, all you're doing is continuing this tradition that started back way back in the initial fucking foundation of this settler colonial country where they had indigenous children place little flags on the fucking gravesides of the very colonizing fucks that had just killed their parents, their grandparents, their brothers, their sisters, and so on, okay? We don't forget. 
the brainwashing in your fucking day schools didn't get us all motherfuckers, okay? So we remember full well. So y'all might think that it's me trying to be edgy and shit, but it's not. You're just historically ignorant, okay? The second go around is specifically dedicated to the Chicanx people, dog, because what's interesting about Memorial Day is it just so happens to fall around the time of the Zoot Suit riots, homie, okay? Now, this podcast isn't intended to be a deep dive into the history of the Zoot Suit riots because that is an important part of Chicanx history that deserves to be treated as its own standalone episode, entirely on its own, which I'm currently in the works of. I'm going to get one of my homies in here. He's a fucking history professor at UTEP and uh, El Paso Community College. And we're going to talk Zutsu Riot in a fucking complete standalone podcast, right? Um, but for now, for the sake of this podcast, I'll keep it simple by saying that what the Zutsu Riots were, dog, for those of you who don't know, it was a violent attack, yo, on our community by white service members, namely the Navy and the Marines, okay? And police in the 1940s all across this fucking settler colonial country, right? They were targeting us Chicano peoples, uh, Chicanx peoples who were wearing zoot suits. For those of you who don't know what zoot suits are, it's those long tailored suits, right? Down the long jackets and baggy pants with the little chains and the little top hat, right? For the gentlemen, for the ladies, it's a little bit something akin to the pinup culture. That's the zoot suit, okay? And the Zoot Suit riots then were what happened is what ha- they, they, they try to mask it in these patriotic stirrings, bro. It's during the time of World War II. And they're saying that they're fucking attacking the Chicanx people for their alleged disrespect and lack of pride uh, because it was, you know, at a time of fucking cloth shortage. And they said that it was a direct affront to the service members that overseas uh, that they were fucking wearing these Zoot Suits that took up so much cloth that could have been used instead to fucking, you know, clothe the soldiers abroad. Uh, it's just fuck. That's just fucking. That's just propaganda, dog. That's just fucking white people propaganda. The same way they fucking used the newspapers at the time of the Zoot Suit riots to blame the Chicano people for attacking police and service members, despite the fact that it was fucking service members and police who were attacking who were attacking Chicanos. Right? Is the same way they used that fucking bullshit ass narrative in their schools to fucking try to justify the the fucking uh, mistreatment, right, of a uh, uh, Chicanx people during the Zoot Suit riot. Okay. Those of us in this fucking Chicanx community, those of us in the indigenous community, right? We know full well, dog, this wasn't no fucking patriotic stirring bullshit. This was nothing more than a continuation of the anti-indigenous sentiment and white settler colonial terrorism that we've been experiencing on this continent since these fucking European squatters washed on the shores of Turtle Island, dog. Like, it's that simple, okay? Um, y'all could fucking build all the industri- industries, you all, you all the institutions you want, whether it be the police or the military, when you fucking boil it down to the fucking core of it, we understand full well that the locus and impetus for much of those institutions was not to fucking protect and serve or this fucking patriotic stories. It was to exterminate the indigenous peoples of this continent, of which we as Chicanx peoples are unquestionably a fucking part of. And that tradition is still alive and well today, whether it be through the prison industrial complex now, whether it be through the zoot suit riots in the 1940s and beyond. It doesn't fucking matter. It's the same fucking white settler colonial terrorism manifesting in different forms, okay? Now, uh, the second reason why I wanted to take this quick detour is because, <laughs> and this just, it just so happened to coincide with Memorial Day, like completely by accident. I just, it just happened to pop up on Netflix and I was like, oh fuck, I haven't seen that movie in a long ass time. I'm gonna watch that shit. American Me, dog, it, copped, it popped up a couple days ago and I got a chance to sit down and watch it and I did. And uh, it just, you know, one thing led to another and here we are today with this podcast. Now, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, you'll know this is how it starts. Or rather, for those of you who have seen the movie, you'll know that it starts with the fucking Zoot Suit riots, okay? Now, me personally, I hadn't seen the movie since I was a kid. And honestly, back then, I didn't really know. What, I didn't know at all, actually, what the Zoot Suit riots were because they schools don't fucking teach us this kind of shit, right? Um, but more importantly, I didn't realize how much of the movie I didn't understand as a child. Literally, I've only seen it once before this last time, okay? Um, and when I was watching it as a kid, and I'm assuming the case is true for most of us, uh, the, the, the main takeaway is always the gratuitous parts, right? The, the, the attraction, if you will, of the gang culture, the, the passing on of the Calo language, okay? Because that's how many of us learn to start talking shit like, hey, que onda ese, What's, or carnal, right? Firme, mi ruca, mi jaina, all that kind of shit, right? That's how, that, that was many of our introduction to the Calo language. Calo language, for those of you who don't know, is Chicano, it's like Chicanx, a pigeon. It's a language of our own, okay? It's a, it's a pigeon of English and Spanish, Right? Um, and even Nahuatl, I should say, more importantly. But, um, and maybe even a few in regards to the movie, I just got to throw this out there, were probably just joy. I know this was the case of me, is seeing some fucking titties for, <laughs> for the first time at, such a, at a young age. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is at a young age now. Of course, what we don't understand that I was able to at least realize that I didn't understand is uh, why, why, why it was, what, what this movie was about, okay? 
And what this movie was about is why, if you will, the gang culture formed. Why these motherfuckers were speaking in Calo and what it signified. And I guess perhaps more importantly, why the sex scene wasn't something to celebrate, okay? Now, um, as for the Chica Next people, this is clearly something that has greatly affected our community, all the aforementioned, right? So it should go without saying that when I was watching this movie, I had a lot of emotions, dog, when I was re-watching it, okay? From happiness to sadness to motivation and frustration to anger and joy and fucking everything in between, yo. And um, what really resonated with me, I guess I should say, is how good of a job they did in conveying the culture that we, I definitely, maybe you too as well, grew up in, right? Um, and uh, I haven't really talked much about it, but I guess this was, I figured this was the perfect podcast to at least introduce these thoughts, right? And that is that, honestly, bro, I've always had some very strong thoughts about the culture that I've grown in, uh, grow, that I grew up in for a while now. And in complete honesty, I've only now recently started to come to terms with it, okay? Um, and most of those terms were sent, they were just, they were negative, dog. I'm just going to be, I'm going to keep it 100 with you, right? Most of those terms, most of those sentiments were, they were all negative, okay? Um, now looking forward to the end of the podcast, I still honestly do legitimately look down on many of the people that were and are still victims to the fucking negative aspects of this culture. I'm just going to be 100 with you, dog, okay? And I don't apologize for it either. And the reason is, the reason I won't apologize is because for the long, Fuck that. For one, I grew up in that culture. I navigated that culture. I am from that culture. Okay. So I can speak openly about that culture however I want. And if you don't fucking like it, well, fuck you. Okay. Um, and another part is because honestly, dog, I felt guilty for a long time admitting it uh, because this culture, you know, for better or for worse, it is a part of Chicanx culture and identity. So we just got to accept it. Right. Um, now, a lot of this, again, it has to do with self-hating on my behalf, no doubt. Okay. And in the interest of complete disclosure, it even extended to the point of having to proudly assert my hood roots because at one point or another, I wasn't proud of being from the hood, dog, okay? I grew up in fucking poverty, bro. We grew up, my family, we grew up in poverty. We were raised like fucking 10 of us by my grandparents, okay? And by that point, they weren't even working. They were fucking both. Uh, we were living off my grandfather's social security check, dog. So suffice to say, despite the fact that there were parents around out fucking getting fucked up and living their own life because they were too irresponsible to fucking... Uh, you know, have safe sex and, you know, chose to bring children into this world, me and my siblings, right? Instead of raising us like the fucking adults that they should have been, they chose to go off and party and get drunk and get enmeshed in this fucking cholo culture that I'm going to be talking about, right? And because of that, we grew up in fucking poverty, dog. We were being raised by my grandpa, my, my, my grandparents, right? So suffice to say, we were fucking, we were poverty, dog, just poverty, okay? So obviously there's a, there's a shame that's associated with knowing that you're fucking poor as fuck, bro. That shit burns. It burns deep as a kid, okay? And for me, my natural reaction to this fucking burn was anger, okay? It was anger towards my parents, my my father, my dad. I call him a dad. He's not a fucking father. The fucking sperm donor that gave fucking, uh, that, you know, that knocked up my mom. I've never met the motherfucker, and I never will meet the motherfucker. He's tried to meet me. I'm surprised he's still alive, honestly, because he's a fucking heroin addict, bro, who spent his entire life in and out of prison. I haven't heard from him in about 15 years, so maybe he's dead. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I don't fucking care. He's never been a part of my life, never will be. I've never met the motherfucker, right? My mom, on the other hand, um, she got knocked up at 16. I was born at 17. After that, she fucking drugs, bro, drugs, drugs and alcohol, specifically alcohol, right? And just in and out of my life, like she was there, like in physically in person occasionally, right? But most of my fucking young adult, my young life was grown with, with her not being there, right? There was a small time when she got married to some other dude and that fucking guy turned out to be, he was a fucking asshole. He used to beat me and my brother, right? And my mom at that. So there was like maybe like four years where she was there trying to be like a fucking wife. But obviously that fucking, you know, that, that, that dynamic didn't last. You know, uh, you know, thankfully she did leave this motherfucker because who knows what would have happened if we would have been stuck with this stupid ass. But um, after that, that's when the shit really started to hit the fan. And for real, for real, she was gone and we were just raised by my grandparents, okay? So a lot of anger at, towards that culture because I realized that that culture is responsible in one way, shape, or form or another for me growing up without parents, okay? Because they were both swallowed up by that shit. And like the little pawns that they allowed themselves to be, they were fucking shit out by it at the complete other end and at the expense of us, Right? So, of course, you're going to, it's to be expected or at least understood why one would have anger towards the environment that you're growing up in, right? Because, well, for one, you just see the shit you grow up in and you see what you got to go through. And of course, you're like, man, fuck, this shit sucks, right? But then more importantly, you look around and you see that the adults don't even seem interested in changing these circumstances. 
Okay. And more importantly, the community itself appears to be content with living life like this. And you grow up and you're saying like, yo, what the fuck? There's got to be, at least me was the case for sure. Thinking to yourself like, dude, there's got to be more to life than just this, man. Because this fucking blows. Right. So that was what was so interesting in me rewatching this fucking movie, dog, is I realized just how close that culture still to this day, at least here in El Paso, I'm sure maybe in other parts around America too, that culture, the Cholo culture, dog, right? It's still alive and well to this day, okay? Now, to be fair, it's also fading away slowly, for better or for worse. I don't know, okay? To be honest, at this point in my life, I'm happy knowing that I've healed enough, right? So much so that I can probably say for the worst in the sense that, you know, beyond the drug and gang elements that were involved in this culture, there's also an element of survivance, okay, that kept that indigenous spirit, uh, that indigenous spirit alive, rather. Because ultimately, this Cholo culture, it truly was a direct fuck you to American hegemony, dog, okay? So it's got its negative parts, but it's also got its positives, which are just as important to celebrate, right? Now, in terms of it fading away, whether it's a good thing or it's a bad, again, I'm more inclined to say it's a bad thing at this point. I don't know. But what I do know is it seems as though, at least for me personally, it seems as though it's the people who are in my generation, those who were born in the thick of that culture, dog, the Reagan babies, right? The mid-80s, who grew, born in the mid-80s, fucking grew up in the 90s, right? We are the ones responsible for simultaneously continuing that culture and for its fading away, all right? Now, again, when you're growing up, you don't recognize this shit, dog. You don't realize it. It just seems normal, right? Especially when you're growing up in the hood. You're legit just trying to survive and navigate life the best way you know how, Okay? And I guess I, it's important to qualify. I don't guess. I know. It's important to qualify that at this point, there's so much more to surviving than simply staying alive. Though, to be fair, that's certainly also a part of it, okay? Survival is, it's about feeling secure in your safety, bro. It's about feeling secure in your mind, your emotional health, and your overall well-being. It's about feeling hopeful, bro, and optimistic for potential future outcomes, right? And it just feels as though my generation was the one that really seized the opportunity and took it for what it's worth, dog. The opportunity, it's simple, bro. Like, despite all the bullshit, racist fucking nonsense that America has to still deal with, there's no question that being an American is fucking privileged, bro. Especially when compared to our fucking uh, tribalized relatives and here just in this fucking settler colonial country alone. But also, especially in, Nor in Canada and in, you know, Mexico and beyond, right? Like, compared to that, it is, you know, for all the shit... It is a privilege to be in America. Like, I will grant them that, despite all the bullshit we got to deal with, okay? Um, so when I say, then, that you seize on the opportunity to do so, that, that that's what I'm saying, dog, because, you know, everyone had the choice, right? Now, don't get me twisted. Before I even get into this choice shit, don't get me twisted for one second, bro, okay? I'm not trying to say that white people aren't fucking responsible for anything. I'm just trying to say that Brown people aren't fucking victims either because that's the spirit of survivance, which this podcast is meant to be an introduction to survivance, which I'll get into probably in one of the upcoming podcasts, okay? Um, so I will forever maintain the importance of fucking choice and responsibility, right? Uh, but don't get me twisted. I, you know, choice and responsibility also falls on the fucking, on, on white colonial Europeans as well, right? Um, so this choice, what I'm trying to say simply has, it's always been available, dog. Perhaps not as readily, okay, but available, especially here in this country nonetheless, right? And it's kind of one of those central tensions that emerges during American Me. And it's one of those central tensions that I realized occurred in my life as well. There's a reason I'm not a fucking homie right now, dog. Like, I'll always be down for the hood. I'll always be an essay, okay? I'll always be a fucking G. But I'm never, I was never a homie. I'll never be a homie. By the homie, I mean very specifically here. Like, I'm not, it's not that I'm not your homie. Okay, because if, if I know you, I fuck with you, I'm your homie. That's not what I mean. A homie very specifically means one of those little cholo essa gangsters. Okay, you know which one, right? The bald dude with the fucking uh, the dickies and the, and the long white shirt, the Cortez, right? That I've never been a homie dog and I never will be a homie. I'll play the part, I'll dress up and I can appropriate my own culture and fuck you if you feel some type of way about it. Because again, I'm from that culture. But as far as like the cholo lifestyle, I never lived it, dog. Right? I mean, I lived it, but not like experientially. I, me personally, I was never a fucking cholo. I was never a gangbanger. And I'm fucking happy, dog. I'm happy that I didn't choose that fucking route. Okay? Anyways, <laughs> it's these tensions that emerged, right? Spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen it, but that's the ultimate conversation homeboy has fucking Santana, Montoya Santana, Santana Montoya, whatever, with his ruka that leads him to begin to question his ways. Okay? Now, I won't say errors, Errors, for those of you who have seen the movie, because maybe you felt he made mistakes along the way. But honestly, 
there's a conversation for those of you who haven't seen the movie where he's talking to his hyena, this woman, okay? And she's trying to explain to him like how she thought that he was down for the hood and for the cause and the revolution, but she turns out that he was just fucking a fake and faking the funk and fronting basically, right? And then he turns around and tells her like, you don't understand what it's like. The world is so much bigger than just this. You and I here, there's powers at play that are beyond both of our control. And if you want to make life better for our people, you got to get to the source of that power. Uh, for him, it was drug culture, right? And, you know, the movie it frames it as though he was wrong. And I'm not going to say he was, right? In fact, I'll say that they were both right. I'll just keep it that simple. There's more than one truth in the earth, okay? Um, <laughs> now, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, this is actually, it was allegedly based on a real story, okay? Uh, the story here being about the formation of La M, which is the Mexican mafia, okay? As a means of protecting Chicanos in prison, right? Uh, and, the, and, the, and the point of the movie is that the life, it doesn't end the life of, you know, that, the, of the gang life, okay? Once you leave the pen, dog, and Homeboy had aspirations, you know, to further that protection that he envisioned initially when he went to prison the first time as a, ch as a child, okay? Uh, the level of protection that the organized crime that he, that he you know, uh, created inside the pen would be able to extend outside of it as well. And, of course, that meant, you know, through the drugs that I was just talking about, the drug, the, the, the drug trade, right? Which introduced all sorts of material and ethical dilemmas that are inherent with that plight, right? Now, in this particular case, it was the issue of, again, European colonizers, dog. In this case, specifically Italians who were running drugs and making money at the expense of the Chicanx community on indigenous land, right? This is all issues that are fucking brought up in this movie. And of course, from here, you get all the ethical dilemmas inherent with it, like Land rights, drug use in our community, the prison industrial complex that benefited off the fucking people in our community who were selling drugs and using them, okay? And all the other issues that us Chicanx folks have been dealing with since, again, these colonizers fucking washed on the shores of Turtle Island, bro. And this right here is where my beef with Cholo culture really starts to kick into high gear, dog. And the reason is because, yo, in my eyes for the longest time, and even still today, like I said, mostly, I see the people that fell into this trap, honestly, as weak and fucking pathetic, dog. Let's just for, let's just be one hundred for. Let's just be one hundred with it, okay? And I feel that way for a myriad of reasons. Now, before I continue, just being an essay alone doesn't make you a fucking, a, you know, weak or pathetic. It's specifically the fucking cholo gangbanger element of it, okay? And you know, but I guess eh, it's hard to discuss. It's hard to fucking convey. I guess I didn't do a good enough job of preparing. But when I speak specifically of cholo and gangbanger, I don't mean. The drug use, dog, the alcohol abuse, using that as a, as a fucking excuse for the situation that you find yourself in. All of that is entailed within the cholo culture, okay? Now, in the gangbanger essay culture of it, I should say, element of it. Now, I guess what I'm trying to say here, dog, is I liken it to a psychological experiment that I read about once, okay? On learned helplessness. And the way this experiment started out was they were studying initially uh, classical conditioning, Right? which is defined as this process by which an animal or human associates one action with another, right? So the, 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 the famous example of you know, conditioning is pla uh, Pavlovian conditioning, where the dude rings the bell and you know, the dog starts to salivate because shortly after uh, ringing the bell, they bring out the dog food. So the dog associates the ringing of the bell with fucking incoming food. So it gets to the point where inevitably they just were able to ring the bell and the, and the dog would start to drool expecting food, even though none would come, right? That's the conditioning element. So this learned, uh, that's classical conditioning, right? Um, so what this particular experiment did is they flipped it a little bit, okay? By instead, this time of treating, rewarding the dog, they punished the dog, okay? By putting a shock collar on it. And they would ring the bell. And this time, instead of giving the dog food, they would shock the motherfucker, right? Torturing fucking poor dogs for the name of science, okay? <laughs> um, so naturally, the same way that the dogs came to fucking associate the ringing of the bell with food, this entirely new set of dogs actually came to associate the ringing of, bell, of the bell with punishment, okay? Um, so inevitably, the same way that the dogs originally responded by salivating in response to the ringing of the bell, this new set of dogs responded by, you know, reacting to a shock. Even if one doesn't come, they still reacted as though they had been shocked, right? So again, it's basically just this macabre form of Pavlovian conditioning. There's nothing particular, particularly special about it just yet, right? Where they did manage to twist it further, though was by putting that same dog in a small room, one that was divided down the middle, 
by an even smaller fence that was see-through, right? So that the jaw could not only see through it, but also jump over it if it felt so inclined, right? Uh, furthermore, what they did is that they electrified one side of this fucking room, this, right? And then the other side of the room was not electrified. So what the experiment did then is that they put the dog on the electrified side of the, fee- of the room to see how it would respond. And what they found is that once they had began to electrify the dogs, the dogs didn't move. They just stayed right where they were, okay? And the reasoning was that inevitably the dogs realized that there was nothing they could do to stop the shock from happening. So rather than try to change their circumstances, they simply laid down because they also knew that inevitably, inevitably, the shock would end. So as uncomfortable as it may have been, the dogs knew that if they just fucking toughed it out long enough, the shock would go away. And despite, you know, they could go back to their regular life, despite the fact that their ability to jump over the fence to a non-electrified side would, you know, rid them of the pain inherent with being electrified. Okay. So this here is what would inevitably come to be known as learned helplessness, defined here as the process of not trying to get out of a negative situation because the past has taught you that you are ultimately helpless to change it, right? Now, in order to solidify their work, the scientists responsible for this experiment tried again, this time with a second set of dogs who had not been subjected to the first round of conditioning, okay? With the bell, with the shock collar and the bell, okay? Um, They put them in the same room with the electrified floor and the fence dividing them, but what they found is that this time, when the dogs were shocked and electrocuted, The motherfuckers jumped over the fence in order to avoid the shock, right? Proving that the behavior that the first set of dogs, uh, that the first set of dogs engaged in was entirely learned, right? So how does this relate? Actually, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe I'm almost 100% certain that they still took those very same dogs and they started to raise the fence on them as well, (laughs) right? So the ones that hadn't been initially shocked, the ones that didn't know to jump over the fence to escape, what they started doing is they, they started to raise the fence as well to the point where it was very difficult for the dogs to jump over the fence. And ultimately, those dogs also just chose to ride out the fucking pain, right? Uh, Because the fence had gotten so high, they learned that they couldn't jump over it. But then they flipped it again, and they lowered the cage. And this time, just as the same with the first dogs, instead of jumping over the fucking fence, knowing full well that they were able to do so, the dogs continued to lay there because they themselves had also now learned that just laying there for long enough, take the pain, inevitably it will go away, right? So... In terms of humans, then, the idea that was later gone on to show from these experiments that we also, we act in a similar way, dog, okay? They show that our attitude specifically about future events, right, and thus our ensuing ability or inability even to overcome them are shaped entirely by our history and our responses to the way that we were affected when they first occurred, right? So in terms of growing up in the hood, dog, there's plenty, plenty of reasons why people in the hood fall into this trap. The trap here being that that I just laid out about my parents, right? And most of them, honestly, dog, they center around mental health, mainly PTSD and depression, okay? Now, of course, given the absence of proper coping mechanisms, because day schools, they don't teach us what we need to survive. We already know that, right? Motherfuckers like us, we're left in the hood instead with the only other options that are readily available to us, and that is... Drugs and alcohol, drugs and alcohol to anesthetize ourselves from the pain of living, of growing up and living in the hood, dog, right? Now, obviously, this is exactly what they want because anesthetized people are easily controllable. Same some conspiracy theory bullshit, bro. This is just read Brave New World, okay? The fucking playbook for this is readily available. It's happening right now. Mass hypnosis, whether it be fucking beer still, right? Whether it be psychotropics in the form of Xanax and other fucking, you know, psychopharmacological drugs, whether it be drug promotion and drug culture in general, like it's still happening right now, but it was definitely prevalent in the hood that I grew up in, okay? In cholo culture. Now, me personally, dog, I'm not trying to come off as some fucking, I'm not trying to sound like some fucking pretentious straight edge nerd because I'm not, and I never was, okay? I'm just saying that the war against colonialism, it never ended up. In fact, it's alive and well, and it's only become more specialized. The way that I talk about specialized in the sense that I talked about in the carceral archipelago episode of the podcast, because just like Foucault taught us, dog, they're no longer just controlling the body, right? They let go of that shit a long time ago. They're focused more on the specialized controlling of the mind, right? In order to get the body to do what they want, homie, right? And this is exactly what I find happened 
in my community. Yo, like one of the reasons motherfuckers call me all conspiratorial and shit, and I've already told you before, like, no, motherfucker, it's growing up in the hood. You're aware of shit that you motherfuckers that didn't grow up in the hood aren't aware of because you weren't fucking forced to be fucking constantly hypervigilant and on guard from any potential threat that might be incoming, okay? Us motherfuckers in the hood, that's how we grew up. So we're always fucking hypervigilant, hyper-fucking-focused, uh, aware, right? Because we know full well that it's a matter of livelihood to do so, okay? Um, and uh, part of this is realizing then that part of this has made it so that I'm very, I'm very, it's very easy for me to fucking identify psyops, dog. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of psyops that are being pulled on me right now that I'm oblivious to, but most of them, dog, I can spot from a mile away. I'm like, yo, that's a, they're, that's a fucking psyop, dog. This COVID shit, bro, I've been telling you from the get-go, like, no fucking front, dog. I've been telling you from the get-go, this seems mad suspect. This seems like a psyop. They're fucking pulling a fucking fast one on us, right? They're pulling the old okey-doke on us, basically, okay? I've been telling you motherfuckers this for the past year. Now, with all the recent shit that's happening with Fauci, all the kind of shit that I will talk about in my running back episodes, right? Um, it's just like proving it, okay? And in retrospect, in retrospect, looking back, like, I realized, oh, shit, that was a fucking PSYOP, bro. The CIA, that was a fucking CIA-sanctioned PSYOP. Everything from them bringing the fucking cocaine into our communities, the drugs into our communities, to fucking structuring the communities in the way they were to determine, to ensure that the behavior, they'll uh, get the... Uh, Desired behavioral outcomes, everything. It was all a fucking psyop, right? Um, and for me personally, the drugs and the alcohol are a part of that. There's no question about it, right? Because again, easily anesthetized people are easily controllable people. That's what me personally, dog, I personally started to analyze my own drug and alcohol abuse, right? And realize just how detrimental it was to not only me on an individual level, but to the Chicanx community as a whole, bro. And just like Montoya Santana, right? In American me, bro, this you can't claim, okay? You can't claim to be about that radical revolutionary life of being down for the hood and, you know, for your gente if you're not putting in the actual work necessary to do so. That's what this lady tells this dude, right, in, in the movie. Uh, she, she, she tells him, right? It's, just, it's, much more, it's much more to be brown and down, dog, than to just be part of the cholo culture, bro, right? It's appreciated in that this cholo culture, it was an evolutionary history or Chicanx identity, Right? that got us to the point that we are today. But it's also detrimental in the sense that it serves as a lingering threat to the agency necessary to assert any notion of sovereignty as a people, bro, right? Now, don't get me twisted, yo. I understand full well, full well, the history and importance of Cholo culture, as well as the difficulty in breaking from it, okay? Because I myself was forced with that choice at one point or another, dog. And, you know, as difficult as it was, obviously I'm proud to say that I chose correctly. It was fucking hard, no doubt. <laughs> Mostly because it meant I would go on to become this fucking isolated weirdo from sixth grade when the cholo culture, you know, really took hold my fucking, my peers, okay? All the way through my sophomore year of high school, dog. But honestly, it was fucking worth it because in that time, bro, in that time, I had many people that I grew up with who chose otherwise, right? And they went on to fucking have kids, get addicted to drugs and alcohol, dropped out of school entirely, and some even died, dog, from overdosing on drugs. Like, no cap. That's really fucking happened, right? All before graduating high school, bro, right? So, yeah, I like to think that I chose correctly. Now, to be fair, I attribute a large part of that mostly, again, to having, you know, loving grandparents, bro. Not parents, grandparents, okay? But also, a small part of that was my ability to see the trap that was laid out at such a young age, dog, and make the conscientious choice to avoid it. I'm, again, I'm not trying to fucking toot my own horn, bro, but it was a conscientious choice, right? Others, unfortunately, weren't so lucky, right? And because of that, they were spit up and chewed out by the fucking trap, bro. Now, the trap that I'm talking here is this fucking cholo culture, dog, that leads us to fucking, you know, doing all the shit that I just mentioned because in a capitalist society like the one we're forced to live in here in America, you've already set yourself up in a very, it's not impossible to succeed, but it's a lot, it's considerably more difficult, dog, if you're addicted to drugs in fucking high school, if you're addicted to alcohol in high school, if you've knocked somebody up or got yourself knocked up in high school, right? It's considerably more difficult to fucking succeed in this capitalist society than if you don't, okay? Um, and because you don't, you're obviously going to be faced with all the ensuing economic issues that lead to the social economic fucking problems that permeate the fucking hood, bro. And thus, you know, you're going to perpetuate the very same self-destructive patterns of behavior as the peoples that came before us. Because, again, in the absence of fucking any proper coping mechanisms, 
you're going to turn to the only ones that are readily available to us in the hood, drugs and alcohol, and then you're going to just fucking repeat the cycle, bro. Now, whether this fucking cycle, whether this trap emerged organically as part of the struggle inherent with trying to cope with the fucking violent ripping away of our ancestral ways as Chicanx peoples, right? Or via a concerted effort by colonizers and the United States government to repress our community, that's fucking irrelevant, bro. If you ask me, obviously, you know, I'm inclined to believe it's a mixture of both, right? And this is where me and the fucking bitch-ass, fake woke social justice warriors that fucking run the halls of academia, this is where we differ dramatically, bro. Dramatically, right? These motherfuckers, dog, they insist on being victims of circumstance, bro. They insist on embodying nihility. Nihility will make more and more sense as I continue along this fucking surviving uh, 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 journey of the of the of the postmodernist modernist fucking lecture series, right? Um, they're they're fucking they're victims of nihility, bro, and they refuse to take any sort of accountability for the ways colonialism has de- devastated our community. Now, again. I got to qualify. Like, I'm not giving fucking white colonizers a pass here, bro. I'm saying, yeah, you motherfuckers, we're going to hold you accountable, okay? But what I'm saying is we got to hold the people in our community accountable too, okay? We're not fucking victims, bro. We're not fucking victims of circumstance and victims of fate, okay? We are fully autonomous, fully fucking uh, agented beings, okay? We have a choice to make, right? And that's why me, on the other hand, I'm not so kind to these motherfuckers in the hood who have allowed themselves to basically be pimped out by the colonizers. You allowed yourself to be a Muppet and now you're getting mad because your whole fucking life went to shit. Fuck you. You had a choice, okay? Yes, the the, 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 the odds were stacked against you, homie, but you could have fucking overcome and you still can overcome to this day. It'll be considerably more difficult, but every day you log on on Food's Gone Wild and you see a new essay fucking did 20 years in the pen graduating from fucking college talking about how fucking stupid he was as a young kid to fall victim to that cholo culture, okay? Miss me with this whole we don't have a fucking choice bullshit, dog, because unless you're going to fucking be that person who admits that they're this mindless fucking automata who is, you know, reduced to nothing but their fucking material actions of determinism because of Western reductive reticulation, Western reductive scientific materialism, right? Unless you want to be that person who basically likens themselves to a fucking, an, an inanimate object like this fucking highlighter here, here, right? Unless you're going to be that person, then you must insist on the fucking, the, 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 the primacy of choice, bro. So you had a choice. You had a choice to be an essay or a cholo gangbanging homie or not, okay? I don't want to hear all you fucking little bitch ass mommy issue excuses, your little daddy issue excuses, the whole fucking government is against me, man, bullshit, because I went through that shit too, motherfucker. And I didn't choose that life. You know what I'm saying? I, and I'm not now going to fucking turn around and be like, ay, pobrecito mijo, poor baby. No, fuck you, dog. Pull your long ass cholo socks up, guy or girl, right? And own up to this shit because all of us in this Chicanx community have the responsibility to do so. Like, that's the only way we're going to break this cycle, yo. So you can start to see how a little bit of my angry fucking anger towards the cholo culture starts to emerge. And I still got so much more, bro, but different podcast for a different day. Ultimately, for this podcast, what it boils down to is my insistence on maintaining the importance of survivance in our community. Now, again, this is not going to be the survivance podcast, bro. <laughs> survivance is a whole ass fucking topic that deserves its own fucking podcast on its own. Okay. Just like low writing dog. It's this enormous, enormous thematical concept that would be impossible to discuss in one standalone podcast. Okay without the risk of essentializing it. It's impossible to discuss in just one podcast, bro, let alone a fucking series of them. It's a whole ass book here, bro, and I'm still only working my way through it. Like, there's just, there's so much to go through, right? Um, so to think that I could be able to do so in one podcast, it's just not possible at the risk of fucking essentializing it, if you will, okay? Now, <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is like, there is going to be a fucking, uh, 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 this is the, 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 the introduction to the inevitable story arc of this fucking entire series on postmodernism and modernism that I'm going to fucking, you know, talk about. And unquestionably, it's going to center itself in the ground story arc of the schism between, you know, modernism and postmodernism and modernity or rather a survivance will come into play in there. Okay. But today is not the podcast. Today is just the setup podcast for that. And that setup podcast was, you know, it's influenced again through his thoughts on American me fucking Memorial Day and all that kind of shit, realizing that ultimately what it boils down to is owning up as a Chicanx peoples and realizing that academia, they want us to fucking believe that we're victims to fucking uh, circumstance, that we're victims to fate. It's, it's a great narrative for them. 
because it further perpetuates and justifies even this fucking logic of manifest destiny, okay? That we are victims to God's will and that we should just accept our fate because, you know, we are chosen to be victims so that this fucking white person could be victorious in creating God's kingdom on earth. Fuck off with that bullshit manifest destiny logic, okay? We are not victims, dog. And as long as our community is allowing ourselves to be fucking treated as such, we ain't never going to get the fucking, you know, the, the freedom that we desire, okay? The fucking sovereignty that I personally feel we deserve as a fucking indigenous peoples of this continent, okay? Now, unfortunately, this is not the time to talk about all that kind of shit. I'm already getting close to the hour-long mark, and I still, despite the fact that I haven't talked to y'all motherfuckers in almost two weeks, want to be respectful and mindful of your time, okay? We're almost at the hour-long mark, so before I end this bitch, though, I do want to leave you all with some parting thoughts, just some parting thoughts regarding survivance, namely on what it isn't, because, okay, I say this primarily because it was a mistake that I myself made prior to learning what survivance was, and thus, it's my hope that by making you aware of it, it won't be repeated, okay? Especially given the fact that I've only up to now just been hinting at what survivance potentially is, right? Rather than outright defining what it truly is, okay? So what I'm trying to say is like, if you're like me, dog, you probably envision survivance to be something akin to stoicism, right? And, you know, given the hegemony of Western fucking philosophy of white European male studies, if you will, um, I don't blame you because I myself was introduced to this idea and felt I was drawn to this idea, dog, this idea known as stoicism, okay? A term that, again, I'm, I assume most of you are all now at least familiar with, given on the, at least on the surface level with, right? Given the preponderance of the term and, you know, our small little community on social media, <laughs> philosophers in this particular sense, right? But just in case you are, dog, aren't, uh, stoicism, it's officially defined as a kind of practice or exercise and the expertise concerning what is beneficial, now, this Stoicism, it's an, approach to the, it's an approach to philosophy that does not see it as a study or as a pastime, okay? But rather as a lifestyle that must be actively practiced. Stoicism specifically, it argues that once we come to know what we and the world around us is like and what people are really like, especially when pertaining to the natures of values, they tell us, the Stoics do, that we will be utterly transformed. So one of their basic driving forces, right, the basic fucking forces of their argument is that we shouldn't concern ourselves with the shit we can't control, okay? And that we should instead seek to discipline our body and our minds in a way that will make them impervious to many of the temptations of life that lead us to making this, these terrible decisions, okay, that take away from the overall quality of our life, right? So alcohol and, you know, even drugs can be dope. Again, I'm not some fucking straighters nerd. We've all done our shit in the past, right? Unless you haven't, then, you know, you're a straighters nerd, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, dog, like alcohol and drugs, they can be dope until you're a fucking alcoholic with a chemical dependency that destroyed your family and traumatized countless people as a result of your shitty choices and actions, right? Um, then this is basically what the Stoics are saying. Like you got to control, you got to learn to control your body and your impulses so that you can avoid can learn to control your body and your impulses on one hand, learn to control the nature of value on the other, or the, uh, the value of, you know, uh, actions on the other, and also other people's actions, okay? And then once you do, you'll be able to better taper your expectations of reality for one, but more importantly, you'll be able to minimize all the terrible decisions that lead to you living an unfulfilled, unhappy life, right? Now, obviously this sounds great in principle, but to be fair, like stoicism, it really is lacking in many ways, Okay. Um, and the most obvious critique is that it privileges the role of rationality and reason at the expense of much of the emotion that it takes to be a fully unique and authentic human experience, right? Like emotional intelligence is important, dog. Only these fucking ancient Greek fucks that don't value emotions. And even then they'll say like, yeah, there's, a, there's an important element to, you know, emotional intelligence in, in uh, uh, virtue ethics, right? But when it comes to this fucking critique on stoicism specifically, the argument is that, bro, we're not fucking robots, okay? We have emotions for a reason, and they are just as equally valuable tools in our pursuit of knowledge, wisdom, and the good life, right? Two, perhaps even more importantly, is that this strict emphasis on rationality and reason can easily lead to these enabling of factions, of actions rather, that are highly suspect. So in this, it's easy, for instance, okay, to rationalize the culling 
if you will, of homeless people when we consider their value, quote unquote, to society, or perhaps better stated, lack thereof, right? And thus, and compare it, if you will, to the benefit uh, that will, the cost benefit at least, that will be gained from culling them, quote unquote, right? Now, unless you're one of those fucking right-wing authoritarians, <laughs> you can probably already see how this is a dangerous slope that may start with a general group of people and quickly escalate to targeted minority groups, right? Who are the most vulnerable among us, okay? So, of course, the only rebuttal that these people who privilege rationality and reason have to offer in response is something akin to, oh, you're just a bleeding heart liberal euphemism type shit, bro, right? Which circles right back to the first critique, and that is the feminization, if you will, of emotions. So it's like, ah, it's not really a critique, bro. Try again, though, right? Um, there really is no fucking... There, I mean, there there are some, but this is not the point of the podcast. The point of the podcast is simply to introduce you to what stoicism is, namely in terms to contrast it to what survivance isn't, okay? Now, for me, most importantly, is that stoicism simply doesn't encompass the entirety of the gist of what it is people like myself value. There's a small part of it. There's a large part of it, in fact, there, okay? But I would still say that stoicism pales in comparison to what survivance is and offers, okay? That survivance predates stoicism and that it existed entirely independently of the practice and that because of it, it should be treated as its own unique philosophical field of inquiry, okay? Which is where I will pick up a forthcoming podcast on this particular issue. For now, uh, that's all I got to share for today. So I'll end this bitch by saying I'm looking forward to bringing you the fucking first episodes of Run It Back in the coming week and that I hope you have a great rest of your day. Peace.